And there we go. Good evening, all. Good evening, everybody. Hello. How are we doing? Am, are you hearing me? Uh, I'm hearing you, yeah. Okay. All right. Turn up your volume if you can't hear yourself. All right. Which one is my volume? Oh, you are the next there one. There we go. That one. There you go. Well, you need to talk. I, I know that. I, okay. Now and I need to stop. Now I'm hearing me, so I'm good. <laughs> you sure? <clears throat> I'm good. Okay. All right, I'm turning up a little bit, too. That'll get... Oh, perfect. Absolutely <laughs> perfect. I can hear me. That's all that matters. Okay, are you ready, Teddy? I'm ready to go. How did I never think to say, are you ready, Teddy? Because I don't like that name. (laughs) Here we go. Welcome to the Exeter Underground, the weekly news and opinion forum for the people of Exeter, about the people of Exeter, and by the people of Exeter, keeping you up to date on all the happenings of our town with analysis that you just can't find anywhere else. You're entering the Underground. Now here are your hosts, Jerry Gelliff and Ted Gardella. All right. As we said, good evening, everybody. How are we doing? It's the Exeter Underground, episode number 12. I'm Jerry Gelliff, and he is... I'm Ted Gardell, and this is a special edition. It's a Friday night special. Yeah, because somebody had to be away for work. You and your damn job. Well, I hope you appreciate the fact that I spent all my time on the road today driving so that I could get here to do this show. That is pretty awesome. And you've got great stories about how uh, Governor Whitmer... <laughs> I spoke to her and she actually knew your name. She, that's she, that's she, wonderful. She heard of you before, yeah. That's amazing. She's, oh, Jerry, Jerry. Oh, yeah, oh, Jerry. Battle Creek, right? Right. Yeah, she did. Battle Creek, Jerry. I remember yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Here you, we you are, keep folks. believing that, folks. <laughs> Here we are, the Exeter Underground, number 12. As said, Ted, give us uh, your disclaimer. Sure, we got to do the disclaimer because we don't want people under the impression that this is, you know, hard news. In fact, this is an opinion show, folks. Everything that we talk about uh, this evening is our opinion and nothing more than that. You can agree with us. You can disagree with us. You can rage. You can shake your fists at the sky, as I always say. Um, but it's just an opinion show. We appreciate you listening. Appreciate you uh, doing downloads. Uh, but this is an opinion show, and and it's it's not for everyone. It's not for the faint of heart, and it's certainly not for certain uh, members of our community who uh, you know are, are. I literally, I think that their 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 fingernails are cutting bloody uh, imprints in their palms because they're just oh those two. You, you know, we're finding more of them every week. Uh, they're they're coming out of the. I don't know if they're coming out of the war work or they're finding the show, but but we're finding more and more people who are just like wanting to rage at us, which is cool. Yeah, because you know me, man. I, I you know Connie says to me all the time, "You love it when people hate you." Right. It's it's you are like the counter puncher. Like you you like it when somebody throws you know the first one so that you can counter punch. Yes, that that's my whole mo. Yeah, I'll yeah. give you the first one. Yeah. yeah. Be ready when I'm but coming. You better be. You better make sure it's a knockout punch. You know. <laughs> you better kill me because I'm coming back. <laughs> well, it, it is true. I mean, tonight and tonight's show is going to be fairly well focused uh, on school board. Um, I, I can't even say the school board follies um, <laughs> yeah. and and the, the uninformed opinions of many and uh, and the protection racket that they're running. They're, they're running kind of a protection racket of their activities. Like, you know, 
they've, they've got their mouthpiece who's out there, you know, talking about mm-hmm. why they can't reach their goals. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they've got their, their communications plan that protects all of their uh, stellar reputations in the community. And, yeah. and then they got their constituent group that they're serving. Exactly. And uh, so, so let's get right into it here with it. the the very first thing, of course, is yesterday it was announced that we have a new superintendent. Yeah, it was just announced, you know, hey, hey, after an exhaustive national search. National search. <clears throat> scouring the country yeah. for qualified candidates. Yep. We just happened to find the candidate in our own backyard. And um, there's, you know, I've, I've been doing some back and forth on social media, and it's come to light that she's she's not actually been voted on yet by the board. No, well, let's get into it. So, yeah. so our our candidate candidate, our apparent new superintendent, once she's the voted anointed, in, the anointed one, will be uh, the what is she is now the HR director, right. Christy Haller, right, Doctor Christy Haller, who uh, has worked for the district for about fifteen years. She came from Reading. Reading, exactly, as a teacher. And then she moved into administration, I think assistant principal, principal, and and then moved into principal at Lorraine. And then they moved her over to Owatton. And then they moved her into director of HR. Right. And now she's going to be the superintendent, homegrown girl. Well, we don't we don't know anything. We don't know anything about her because n- n- there was no release of well, I know her background that. and you know so. she's from Exeter. Okay, she's an Exeter girl. Okay, hold she she's Hunter Aaron's aunt. Well, damn good thing he's not on the board anymore because he wouldn't be able to vote for. It would be a conflict of you interest. Know, if he's would related, it not? If he's related in some way. Oh, right there. There's a conspiracy theory for you. There you go. He That's left the school board so she knew. could become. Right. Yeah. Well. So she could that. become the superintendent. That is a conspiracy theory. <laughs> you want to get that started? Because that would mean that Hunter would have had to have contributed to the downfall of former superintendent Miner, who he glowingly described each and every time he talked about her. So it would be hard to fathom that he would engage in a conspiracy to have her resign so that his aunt could become the superintendent. Not for that's, me, it wouldn't be. <clears throat> well, it's a little too far for me. But it, the the well well. What is disturbing is the process that the board used, despite the protestations of Jason Mel on social media. Oh, this is all, this is all perfectly. Oh, here's a court case that of another school district that did this all behind closed doors, and the court of common pleas found that this was fine and dandy. They 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 uh, found against the uh, the local newspaper that was calling them out for violating the Sunshine Act. It's like, oh, okay, so. That's why you did it this way, Jason, because some lawyer provided you with a backup piece. Oh, don't worry. You can you can do everything in the dark. You can do a backroom deal and just call it, you know, when you when you take votes on candidates, just call it a straw poll. And when you're when you're deliberating over the merits of candidates, exactly. just call it a discussion. Here's yeah. how you circumvent yeah. The Pennsylvania Sunshine Act. Here's here are the labels that you use yeah. on your activities instead of just being open. Yeah, don't don't just don't do that. Nope. That'd be a bad idea. Nope. Yeah. Well, I mean, it stinks. I mean, it, it. You know, when you talk about the smell test, this whole thing. Yeah. To have Doctor Haller get the position in this mm-hmm. way, it looks like, and it may not be, but there could be a perception that this is a backroom deal. Oh, 100% it, it, it could be. Because, 
we know that again, and I think I just mentioned this last week, like like with Carl Staples, right? At the township level, this is this is what they did with them. Right, it was between he and George Bell, right? And they looked at their resumes and oh, oh it's Carl. Yep. And I thought that was doing an incredible disservice to it, him. It, it is a disservice to the candidate. It absolutely is because it doesn't give the impression that they were properly vetted. Right. And that there was a comparison of background and experiences. I mean, you, you've got a person that, okay, so so let's put this out, out there because it's already out there. Everyone loves her. She was beloved as a principal. Mm-hmm. Everyone loved, oh, we've got kindergartners and second graders who are so happy yeah. that Dr. Haller is the new superintendent. Yeah. And I'm sure she'll visit a ton of elementary classrooms and read to kids. Everyone loves her. That's great. Yeah. That's not really what this, in my opinion, what this district needs in a superintendent, because there are hard decisions to be made. And when you are juxtaposing those hard decisions with the fact that it may cause some people not to love you anymore, you might not make those hard decisions. You might not. And it's true. I mean, there's something to be said for bringing in a total outsider because like it's what I've said to people before. What made me, I think, a good school director I had no allegiances to anybody or anything, and yeah. I could completely look at everything objectively. Well, you can look at things for, you know, the return on investment. You can look. Now, so so this is going to call into question a number of things. Are we sticking with the 100-100-100 goals? Are we mm. sticking with the literacy program that Dr. Minor put in place? And really, it was really a top-down, you know, directive. And it's incredibly expensive with brand new positions and lots and lots of money spent on materials. So are we going to stick with that? And when you have someone who has no experience at the secondary level and some of your most significant problems involve performance at the secondary level, especially in mathematics and and for graduation rate, you're going to be depending on the same people who've been giving you the results that you've gotten. Now, I think I think that what we should do and I'm borrowing this idea from someone else, yeah. Jerry. I think we should put a clock out there, you know, for when <laughs> the district will actually reach its lofty goals or even make some improvement on their goals. I think we should have a clock that says, hey, you know, we want to see what progress they've made by, say, oh, I don't know, you know, uh, November 1st. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, you made me laugh there. Uh, and almost choked to death. So it, it, it's an interesting idea. And I think well, we, I, it, that if we set, if we set the clock for like, I would June say 8th, 2037. Well, no, you can't a countdown no, clock no, to no, 2037. No, no, you gotta, that's too far yeah, out. Yeah. You gotta, you, not far enough out. Well, look, Kimberly Miner was here for almost two years, and they were working on the 100-100-100 goals. <clears throat> of course, they went backwards from where they were. But, you know, as, as another outlet explained, none of that really matters. It, it was so funny to read that other article in Exeter's yeah. version of Pravida about why scores no longer matter. You know, because we're going to... I've got to read that. We're going to focus on that. social... Oh, yeah, it was, it was... it was. No, they're not social-emotional learning. It's in there, yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. No, it, it, and what was great, and, 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 and I feel very, very proud that I've had this much influence on you know, the guy who's writing that rag, is that obviously, so he, he did a quote from an article from Ed Week 
Uh, I don't think he read an article from Ed Week before I started sending him articles from Ed Week. And then Good. he even you know, quoted a, uh, a, a member of the regional council of the college board, obviously, because, you know, I, I'm... That's the company the you work board. for. Yeah. Um, but what he failed to mention in his justification for why, yeah. you know, the backward slide is, is no big deal. Mm-hmm. What he failed to mention is that none of these people has spent millions of dollars on a literacy program. Yeah. None of these people are in districts that spend almost $22,000 per kid. Right. So you can justify by using, you know, the literature, but you've also got to put in the local details. Yes. And that's what's missing because it's all about protecting the narrative. It's about protecting the school board. Yeah. You know, they, they shouldn't be held accountable for any of the scores because of, you know, COVID and, you know, we've got to worry about social emotional learning. Well, I'm going to tell you that the industry is moving beyond social emotional learning as a, as a, as a topic. And, and I can reference. So again, this will, this will be another piece of information. Perhaps he can research, you know, some of the current literature. This is a, uh, an April 2022 document that's put out by the Education Trust and Equal Opportunity Schools. So, you know, Mike, if you're listening, and we know you are, you, you might want to research <laughs> some other organizations because they're now talking about SEED, S-E-A-D, which is Social, Emotional, and Academic Development because they were concerned. Oh, they're in an academic. Well, because they were concerned that this focus on social and emotional learning just leads academic development off the side, which is basically what he was saying in his lengthy, you know, justification for why scores dropped uh, significantly in Exeter is because, well, you know, we've, we've got focused on social emotional learning now. We, we, we don't need to be concerned about, we've got to solve those problems first before we get to academic learning. No, you have to do them at the same time. It has to be yeah. integrated. And that was another great lesson from the superintendent's panel that I um, hosted this past week yeah. uh, in our meetings, and that was every one of them said that they were seeking a balance, a balance between academic um, improvements and social emotional learning. It can't be the either or. Right. It does it have to be. It doesn't have to be. It's got. It's you've got to work on both. But can you walk and chew gum? Well, some of us can. So the the, the main thrust of this for me is not whether. Uh, Christy Haller will do a good job or a bad job or whether she sucks or whether she's great. I don't care about that because she's going to sink or swim of her own accord and abilities. Okay. That's the bottom line. What I'm concerned with is the process that they used and the way they shut us being the taxpayers out of this completely. We were consulted through like a couple of word, um, a, a, oh, a couple online, of questions. Survey, survey. Yeah, right? Question. Exactly. What was it? Four questions or five questions or whatever. Yes. <clears throat> so, yeah. so now that, that the, represents the board going out of their way, according to Andrea Battler. Direct quote. Direct quote. They went out of mm. their way to solicit input. Yeah. By doing an online survey with yeah. a few questions. So now I spoke to an authority, another authority in this subject. Yeah. And he told me that the way most districts do this, he said, Jerry, you've, you, you've got, you're a little skewed because you're like, you're, you're Mr. You want everything to be completely wide open. Right. But there are people who don't want their names out there as having l- been looking for a job because they're afraid of, of, you know, reprisals at their home district and whatever. 
So it generally will go to a bottom, a top three, okay? And then the school district will choose to have a meet and greet where the public gets to see these people and gets to know who they are. Now, Ted, all that we know about the candidates, now we know who the winner is, but all we know about any of the other damned candidates is that there was 18 of them and that most of them were from Berks. One was from Chester County. One was from Lehigh Valley. A couple were from Western PA. There was one from... Uh, South Nevada, Carolina. South Carolina, and Maryland. That's all we know about the candidates. But we have to friggin' pay for this. Well, I, I think whoever you talk to, I think they're they're absolutely right that normally you you go through the initial read through phase. Like like yeah. let, let's let's also back up just a little bit. This process was skewed because it was the BCIU process. This is right. not a professional search firm process. And this guy said the, the same the thing. He's like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. The BCIU is is the BCIU. They're an intermediate unit. They are not a professional search firm. They provide this service for free. Yeah. And and if you read if you read the proposals from professional search firms, you will see open sessions with the community, open sessions with the yep. teachings. Like they will have yep. an open Q&A session to gather input. Yes, yes, they'll do surveys. They'll do that, but there will be an opportunity. And I do agree that, you know, that first round of of resume review, when you're going from, you know, you're never going to, you're not going to talk to 18. Even Philly didn't talk to 18. You're going to you're gonna get it down to maybe, you know, somewhere around eight that you'll do. That's you exactly might, what they you did. You might even do phone screen. You might even do, a, you know, basically a phone screen, not ask them to come in yeah. at all. Right. <clears throat> but when you get to the round of three where you're seriously saying, well, any one of these three people could be our superintendent, that's when it really should be made very, very public. And, yes, you can have candidates who say, look um, – even if I make it into the round of three, I don't want my name out there. Okay, mm-hmm. well, then that probably means you're not going to be considered for the round of three. Right. Because if you're not willing to say, I want to be Exeter's next superintendent, then that gives us, you know, an indication. Yeah. Um, but certainly, you know, I mean, there are, there are lots of different ways to do this. And the, this board chose the most backroom method of doing this. And... They've discovered ways to justify their process. 100% correct. And I am so annoyed by the way they did this because, you know, like you, I'm the ultimate advocate for the taxpayer. Like, we have to pay for this. Right. I demand that we be part of it somehow. I mean, it's not asking a lot to bring us into a room where we can see these people, because it's not that I doubt that they spoke to eight people and had a second round and then did a third round with the final three. I don't really doubt that. But you know what? You don't know. Remember what Ronald Reagan said to Mickey Gorbachev, trust but verify. Right. I want verification that this shit happened. This well, stuff happened. It's a brand new board. I mean, you, you don't have people with experience doing this. And, and they chose this the BCIU who's giving them their temporary superintendent and now it's giving them their, you know, their, their next superintendent. It's just such a flawed process and to try and justify it. Like there's, there's, you know, Andrea Battler has been pretty active on social media, you know, 
posting responses to mine and she's like well, look if the if the community didn't choose to participate in the survey or walk up to us in the grocery store it's like oh we're supposed to stalk you that is the most jackass the thing i've ever heard in my life to give you input on the ceo of an 80 million dollar nonprofit organization we're supposed to go up to her and pull on her Pull on her Excuse shirt and go, hey, Andrea, can, can I talk to you for a minute? Can I, can I, talk? I want to weigh in on this superintendent right. thing. I, I'm trying to shop. I, I see you've only got 15 items and you're in the 12 items or less aisle, but you know. <laughs> I'm trying to shop. Can no, you leave me alone? That, that was a ridiculous comment. And I and I thought, you know, as Jason Mel weighed in with his, you know, oh, we can do this. We can do this. We, we've got this court case that says, that says we can do this this way. Okay, you can. But should you? So, Especially in a community where there's been this much uncertainty. You had a superintendent resign before her initial contract term was up. Yeah. You forced out the immediately previous superintendent. Yep. You you don't have a great track record with this choice. Um, and your your academic performance continues to stink. And yes. Yep. You can have Mike write all kinds of justifications for why you shouldn't worry about the stink that you're seeing from academic achievement. But the reality is things aren't getting better. So my issue with when they say, oh, well, you know, Jason says, well, well, this is perfectly legal. We can do this. You know what used to be perfectly legal? Separate but equal. Plessy versus Ferguson was a Supreme Court case that said, yeah, you can have drinking fountains for black people. That, and different ones for white people. Black people don't have to sit at a counter. They can have their own area. They can get their food and they can go out. That shit used to, that stuff used to be legal. That's what is wrong with putting, saying, oh, this is legal. The question is, is it right? And it's not. Well, and, and you know, he, he did do this comparison, I think, and obviously, you know, focused on me. He said, well, Pennsylvania is not Michigan. No, it's not, because this would never happen. Because they're much more serious <laughs> about FOIA and right to know and, and Sunshine Act than yeah. this state is. And yeah, yeah. He, in, in one sense, he's very accurate. Well, you know what? You don't like this shit? Go get the law changed. Oh, it's a great thing. It, it, it's, you know, it's a great point to make, Jason, but it certainly shows where your you know, where, where your, where your allegiance lies. is, yeah. your yeah. allegiance lies with the system. Your allegiance does not lie with the taxpayer. If there was one person on that board who was taxpayer focused, they would have been calling this out in meetings and saying, when are we going right. to put the people yeah, into this? this, right. this is, you know, Nobody because- on this board. And it's a shame because John Fiddler's a buddy of mine, you know, and, and a couple of other people I, I am friendly with. But nobody on that board gives a damn about the taxpayer. They have just proven it. Well, I mean, if you didn't, if, if you didn't think raising taxes every year for the last however many years, except one, yeah. demonstrates that they're not thinking about the taxpayer. Yeah. You know, the the most disappointing thing about all of this, it for me, it isn't the school board. It isn't the choice that they made. It isn't the process that they use. The most disappointing thing for me is that this community is not in a state of outrage about the budget, about the academic performance, and about a school board, which is incredibly naive, choosing to use a backroom process. You know, Ted, no, I'm I'm going to differ with you here. 
I don't think they're naive at all. I think this was completely 100% planned to shut the public out. I don't think they wanted us to know a damn thing. I think they did this intentionally to shut us out oh, and get what they I agree wanted. they did it intentionally because <clears throat> you it's can not tell naivete. they did it intentionally because they consulted attorneys yes. to make sure that they could do this process. Great point. Great point. Andrea Badler said, well, I consulted an attorney. We asked her, was it the, was it the solicitor? No, no, no. I consulted someone else. And then Jason Mel, well, here's the, here's the court case that says we can do this. So they were, they did want to do this process this way. What the, what the naivete is in thinking that this is okay. Like, like, just because they can do something doesn't mean that they should. Dude, this is friggin' immoral. Well, it really is. I mean, remember, I, I, this is an opinion show, folks. Yeah, this is immoral. It really is. I, I can't come about it in and from any other direction. It's, it's. There's nothing okay with shutting out the public. Well, obviously they can because they've consulted attorneys prior to going through the process. And obviously they don't give a shit either. Here's the thing. Uh, and I Remember think you, that next year. They don't this, give a shit. That, you, there's a slogan. <laughs> you, you did say this off air. And I think both of, both of us wish Dr. Christy Haller the best. Yep. We, we hope that she's successful yep. in this position. We hope that she grows into it and, and really learns... Uh, a lot in, in her tenure as a superintendent. We hope that she can break the mold of the two-year, you know, tenure, you know, the the single tenure. Yeah. And and we hope that because she has existing personal relationships with the teachers union, that they will at least go a little easy on her for a while before they start saying, you know, well, now it's time to be thinking about somebody else. So I, I wish her the best. I hope she. Uh, does really well. I hope yeah. that she, I hope that she goes out and and, and mm. engages in professional development around the role of the superintendent. That she goes to conferences um, outside of Pennsylvania because this this what I'm seeing of of the Pennsylvania uh, infrastructure in terms yeah. of educational leadership very weak. Yeah, comparatively speaking, very weak. Um, but let's talk. Let's talk about some other stuff. Let's talk about we, the meeting, we, okay? We, because we can actually yeah, segue in what happened in the I, meeting. Because I do want to. I, I want to do some focus uh, conversation on budget decisions that they're not even asking about. Um, and then, you know, I think that you have some other things. Uh, yeah, that we can talk about. We have some clips here. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. so the first thing that I pulled up, and and, and it's just a nice segue, as I said. Uh, this is. And here, Dr. Hearing telling us on Monday night, oh, we're going to, you know, where the process is with the superintendent search. To update the community about where we're at with the superintendent search. Monday and Tuesday last week, we were able to interview seven of the eight candidates we invited for first round interviews. Seven of eight showed up. One didn't show up. How's Wait that sound? Hold on. She's announcing this after the fact. Did after they, the fact. Did they, uh, did they announce that they would have an executive session for the purpose of? They did not because they did call it an executive session, didn't they? Well, they were, they're supposed to. Yeah. According to the Sunshine Act, according to my reading of the Sunshine Act, they should have announced that they were having an executive session for the purpose of vetting candidates. Well, we, we announced the meetings. You didn't call them executive sessions. 
I don't know that they announced the meetings of last Monday and Tuesday. No, they didn't. Okay. All right, so. Of the seven we have interviewed, we've invited three to move forward to round two mm-hmm. interviews, which will be held this Wednesday. Okay, so, so, so that sets the stage. So she is now saying we're, we're going to have, but she did not use the language, we're going to have an executive session right. to conduct second round interviews right. of the candidates. Exactly. She just said, we're going we're gonna to meet. Well, how we're going to meet. meet. You're going to be left out. You're going to kiss my ass. Doc, I don't doc, really Dr. care. Hearing, how are you going to meet? Was it, was it going to be a public meeting? No, it was going to be an executive session. You should have said we are going to be holding an executive session for the purpose of vetting the final round of three candidates. That's right. So now after the meeting, because now here's the thing. There was. About 20 teachers there right, with their blue Exeter T-shirts sure. or, or it's, blue it's shirts on. Season. It's exactly, it's, it's, uh, you know, doing the show of force sure. for the contract. Good for them. Right. Because I guess that's what you're supposed to do. Other than me. Well, blue's better than orange. There's a lot of places where they do orange T-shirts and they're very loud and yeah. it's like fluorescent orange. So a nice blue Exeter T-shirt, that's yeah. nice. So other than me. Right. Your wife was there, and there was another dude who sat all the way over in the other side of the room. Okay? Now, after the meeting, I went up to Dr. Hearing, and I said, Hey, Ann, uh, at what point are we going to bring the public into this? She said, That decision has not been made. To which I said, You've got two days to make it. Are you going to make that decision? And she said, that decision has not been made. And I said, you know, that is a really crappy answer. She said to me, get ready for this one. Well, you're just going to go and write whatever you want in your little thing anyway. So it doesn't matter what I say. Wow. Well, but What an obnoxious statement. Well... Beyond that, the reason it does matter is because if you look at the Sunshine Act, you are supposed to announce executive sessions. Yes. If it wasn't going to be an executive session and you were going to have an, oh, if your decision had not been made yet, yep. Dr. Hearing, then you should have advertised a meeting. But see, here's the thing. You already had made the decision. That's right. To do it in closed session. That's right. Because you weren't worried about the timeline to advertise an open Correct. meeting. Correct. Exactly. So the advertising. That's not really a, an honest answer. Is where the BS is called. And she, li- she I'm going to say it, she lied to me. She knew the decision was made and she was telling me what I wanted to hear. This is the kind of crap that has to stop. From our local elected officials. They have to stop lying. No, they don't, Jerry. And I'll tell you why they don't have to. Because there's not community outrage about this. Well, there it is. So two people showed up. Right. If if, if that's all we're going to have, folks, then you know what? Stop complaining about tax increases. Yeah, stop pissing and moaning. I, I'm not care. interested in hearing anybody complain about a tax increase. You don't show up. I think that's Show what up gonna, and give them hell. That's what I'm going to keep saying. It's like, look, uh, until I see you at a meeting, until I see you standing up at public comment, until I see you raging, uh, it, it seems like you don't care. You don't care that your taxes are going to go up. You don't care that academic achievement is going to continue to be subpar, no matter what 
no matter what their mouthpiece <laughs> says, it's going to continue to be subpar. We can put a clock. We can put whatever damn clock we want on academic achievement. Yep. It ain't going up. Nope. And and I do want. I'm I'm hoping we can spend some time on uh, on uh, the. Uh, I know we don't have a clip, but but on the the flam uh, report about uh, you know the the. Uh, comprehensive the the comprehensive plan and their strategies if you've got stuff the, on it that's great because i got news for you i sat there and i zoned out right oh my away God. It, it was so it was it i i, I started to laugh <laughs> i started to laugh because <laughs> because when he started to and, and you know my background in mathematics and 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 all the stuff that i've done you know I've, I've written some of those programs i've written textbooks i've implemented stuff <clears throat> so when he started talking about well their big strategies they're, they're going to make sure that these programs are aligned to pennsylvania state standards I started laughing. I'm like, well, Dr. Flam, correct me if I'm wrong. I know I'm not. You were the principal at the building when college prep mathematics was implemented. Mm. So if someone should have checked the alignment to Pennsylvania state standards, wouldn't that have been done prior to the implementation? So shouldn't they already be aligned? So so (laughs) point number one is, wouldn't you have checked that before you adopted? Yeah. Point number two is I know that program. I know damn well that it's aligned to Pennsylvania state standards because Pennsylvania state standards haven't changed that much with respect to, to any uh, subject area, but certainly not in mathematics. So if, if, they, if they do in mathematics what they did in reading, like when they adopted Wilson Foundations and when they yes. adopted Fountas and Pinnell, they just swallowed the Kool-Aid that the publishers gave them. They yep. asked the public, oh, are these, uh, oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. Oh, they're completely aligned. Harumph, oh, harumph. Aligned, aligned, aligned. Well, if they were going to accept that from these expensive reading programs that they just spent millions of dollars adopting, then why wouldn't they accept what comes from the publishers? So the two programs that we're talking about here, at the elementary level, they use a program called Investigations in Number, Data, and Space. That is a National Science Foundation-funded program that has won awards all over the country, has increased scores in school districts all across the country, but it is completely dependent upon the fidelity of the implementation. I implemented investigations in two different districts. And then they're talking about college prep mathematics, which, again, National Science Foundation-funded project written by some of the best mathematics educators in the country. It's been implemented all over the place. And so for you to sit there and say, well, you know, we've really got to check the alignment to Pennsylvania State Standards. Oh, my God. I I have colleagues in the math community that would just howl with laughter at that kind of a statement. It should already have been done. The the second strategy that, you know, he outlined, oh, <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna make sure that students have automatic skill, uh, you know, automatic recall of facts. One of the most ridiculous things that it's been refuted by research time and time and time and time again. Because you have automaticity of your math facts, it does not guarantee that you're going to be proficient in mathematics. It just means that you know your math facts. That's all it means. And and that means is, you can regurgitate. It's the boogeyman of secondary mathematics teachers who always say, "Well, if these kids just knew their multiplication tables, I would be able to teach algebra." It's a bunch of baloney. But they're buying into that line, and they're purchasing a resource. So they're purchasing an electronic skill development program right. to make sure kids know their math facts. Yeah. Wow. So instead of drill and kill by paper and pencil worksheet, <laughs> they're going <laughs> to drill and kill electronically. 
What a ridiculous presentation. Electronic flashcards oh versus God. the ones you actually hold up. Oh, and, How's that? But the alignment thing. Oh, my. I, I almost called a couple of people that I've worked with over the last 30 years to say, hey, you, you got to hear this. You got here's here's the link. You got to go on. Here's the time stamp. You got to listen to this guy talk about yeah. mathematics education at the at the junior high school level. You will laugh. You will howl with laughter. This guy's a pisser. Listen to him. I mean, it's just crazy. So, um, so that that's there. And then you know, we we uh, I, I assume we're going to get to some conversations about budget. I know we have other things to talk about, but but here is the point that we continue to to try and make that. Not enough people are, are getting. And that is that Brian Fike really was very honest with the board in his presentations. He said, here's the budget that I think you guys want. You know, status quo, no reduction in staff, no, you know, we'll just keep the programs running. This is what I think you want. But if you want something different, you have to tell me. If you want me to look at this, he even said at one meeting, we could look at the schedule at the high school. He, he said, we could look at, you know, class size, increasing class. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to increase class. Yeah, right. because the class size average that you have right now is working so well. Yeah, it's perfectly working perfectly. You're getting such great academic achievement out of that 14 to 1 student teacher ratio. How about switching it up somehow? How about going to 16 to 1? And See here's the works. thing. You know, and, and I know we have a clip on this because I know uh, Mary Beth did, a, did a, a piece on black scheduling. And then uh, a board member, you know, refuted that. But but here's the thing, and and we are going to provide them, even though it's it's a fairly simple Google search to do. You simply search, does block scheduling cost more than traditional scheduling? And you'll get all you know hundreds of links to articles and research studies right. and everything else. Couple that I'm going to be pointing out and sending to Mr. Quinter, Ann Arbor Community High School, you know, documented that when they switched from. That won't work. It's in Michigan. Yeah, well, I've got others. But Ann Arbor Community <laughs> High School, when they switched from black scheduling back to uh, period, what's known as period scheduling, uh, they they were able to reduce staff by three teachers, which was a savings of over three hundred thousand dollars a year. Wow! And you can you can tell. I mean, it's it's in the literature. It's like, look, when you have teachers teaching fewer students. You need more teachers. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, if, yeah, if to the, me it does. If the class load of a teacher is lower than the normal, you're going to need more teachers to make up for that. Seems well, that's what happens with black scheduling. Teachers teach fewer students in fewer classes, so you need more teachers. Yeah, and and the literature is. I mean, there, there's one particular research uh, study that I'm I'm going to send that does a really good job of of talking about. Here's the thing: it does cost more money. Yeah. When you implement it with a lot of professional development and when you change your instructional modalities and when you do what you're supposed to do in block scheduling, you may see academic achievement improvement. It's not all, it's not a given. It's 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 one of those things that it's it's not a for sure that your academic achievement is going to go up. And when you look at Exeter's record over time, you certainly can't sit there and say, "Oh, we've implemented block scheduling. It seems to be doing fine." Hmm? Not when you have the academic achievement problems that you have. Yeah, yeah. So what, what are we going to... All right, so so our next thing is we have uh, Julia Schaefer who was filling in for Tim Morgan who wasn't in. <clears throat> okay. He wasn't in the meeting. So she uh, she She's started reading for off... The, the personnel? For the personnel. Okay, personnel committee. Yeah, so she, uh, she started reading off the stuff. And this is the first thing that came out. Okay. And we got the thoughts on it after. Okay. 
Okay, so um, what I'm going to be doing is going line by line each number, given that there are some new items added to each item. Um, so it's recommended that the Board of School Directors approve or ratifies the following personnel. Okay, so that right there is a clue to something. This goes back to when Mary Beth made that comment and said, you didn't mention this in the cow meeting. Right. And, uh, you know, let's give them credit. They're reacting to it. They're admitting that they effed that up. Right. And they're changing it. Right. All right. Items. Um, item number one, the attached job description for supervisor of academic enrichment. Second. You have a motion a second. So the point of it really was to get that out there. That was my point in the clip. So to get out that, that they have admitted that in the past they were just throwing things on the agenda. That's right. Without, even though they said, oh, we discuss everything in the cow. No, you don't. Yep. And so now they're admitting, no, we don't. And things come up between the cow and this, and we just put them on the agenda. Right. So we don't have personnel committee meetings. We right. don't have, uh, you know, a, a finance committee meeting. We don't have, because we have our cow, and that's where we do everything. Well, no, you don't. But now they finally at least admitted it without yes. admitting it. Like, they admitted it without admitting it. Like, okay, mm -hmm. you know what, Mrs. Gardella, um, you raised a valid point. Uh, we, we weren't doing that, and now this is our way of doing that. Right. So, which is, is great. So now then, Ann Hearing says to... Uh, the interim superintendent. Uh, can you explain what she means by that? Before you continue, can we explain why she, the point, comment she made about doing line by line? Yeah. Because the audience. Yeah. So because um, if you are looking at the agenda, you will see that some of the items are bolded. The items that are bolded on this week's agenda, on the voting agenda, are items that were not in the committee of the whole. Um, Obviously, personnel is impacted greatly by that because a lot happens in, in two weeks um, in a school district. So um, the ones that are not bolded are those that were on the committee of the whole agenda. The ones that are, are bolded are the ones that um, were added since that time, and therefore we wanted to make everybody aware of that. So now, to me, okay. Apology accepted. Well, not even. Yeah, right, right. Non-apology accepted. Yeah. Non-apology accepted, Dr. Hearing. But you know. one of the things that we need to look at with this is that, again, two people show up, right? Look, we forced this to happen. Right. By holding them accountable. They can be held accountable if people show up and bust balls. Right. That's the thing that we need to take from this. They actually reacted because we were right. And when you are right, as my father used to say, when you're right, you're right. Well, it's, it's, um, it is good that they have made this move. Uh, it would have been even better had they admitted, you know, mea culpa, we were not doing things in, in a very transparent way in terms of the personnel items. Uh, we, we are thankful that, a, a, you know, a member of the community raised that issue to us. And after some deliberation, this is the method that we have chosen to use to demonstrate that we don't discuss everything in the Committee of the Whole. Now, the interesting point will be, what are they going to do in other uh, areas, like what are they going to do in the education committee? Are they going to commit to, no, 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 everything that we vote on, we will talk about at the committee of the whole, because that's really not true. And that's that's the point. They, they responded as if this was a personnel 
item that we originally brought up. What we originally brought up was the fact that the tutoring program was never discussed. Exactly. It wasn't the personnel issue that wasn't discussed. Right. It was the fact that you were instituting this tutoring program and you never, and you never discussed it. it. It didn't come out of the education committee. It didn't come out of finance. So you hid behind, oh, well, this is a personnel item, so we don't, we don't have to discuss yeah, it. Yeah, you pushed it off on that. This is all indicative of the backroom philosophy that they have. Well, let's right. just discuss things behind closed doors. Let's have discussions offline. And then, you know, we'll just, you know, we'll just push it forward. It'll just be put on the agenda because, well, maybe the administration wanted it on there. Nobody and will notice that is it. There's no way, especially in, in, in this hyper-partisan atmosphere, that is no way to run a, a, an, a, an elected board. It's, it's In my opinion. Yeah, in your opinion. But but it's it's an indicator that we can affect something that resembles change, and but you got to get there, folks. But yeah, you got to. We got to start showing up for meetings and 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 holding their or feet to the just, fire. Or, or else they can. Ju- if if people don't show up and don't hold their feet to the fire, then they can rightly assume that this community doesn't care and they can keep doing whatever the heck they want, which is what exactly they're doing right. now. It's exactly right. So, and, folks. They're doing whatever the heck they want, and they are pleasing one constituent group, folks. That's right. Their wives. Friends and family. <laughs> yep. So, okay, so so while we're there, yeah. because we're basically talking about uh, this and how they made this decision for a superintendent uh, w- w- without our input. Right. Okay, the screaming liberal woman well, no, made no, another no. video. Remember, they got they went out of their way to seek input. Yeah, but the screaming liberal woman still made a video. Really? And I found it again. My God, I don't know how you do this. I'm I'm tuned in. I'm tuned in. I I, I hope she knows that she's become a superstar. <laughs> yeah, she's she's Exeter famous. Okay. Uh, okay, so so here she is, and and she's talking about. The hiring of Christy Haller. Oh, so wow. it, yeah, it, it just happened today. Okay, it just happened today. I, 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 I went searching for it this time. The other times I happened across it. Right, but this time and you went. And looked yeah, for it. this time she was going to Applebee's to pick up some uh, lunch takeout. Okay, all right. Okay, that's what was going on here. Holy fucking shit, you guys! I'm driving your car, but I just got a notification that the Exeter School Board has hired Christy Aller as superintendent without any public input at all. Fuck! Could this year get any fucking worse? School Board, it is not transparent and highly unethical to hold meetings in total darkness. That scream of hers is crazy, man. Oh my gosh, she's really... Well, you know, she's... I mean, she's not accurate because without any public input... Uh, again, I'll, I'll go back to to Andrea Battler's comment. They went out of their way. They went out... Wait, let's try this. To wait, seek, wait, do wait, out, oh, of, okay, out of their way All again. Right, ready? Okay, ready? They went out of their way to seek public input. Yes, they did. Because they gave... They, they put an online survey out there. And they were waiting in grocery lines, hoping that someone from the community would come up to them and bend their ear about the superintendent search. Somebody told me, somebody who works at Giant told me that really? they saw John Fiddler yeah. in the store for six 
hours wow. on Tuesday. Well, just waiting for people to just, hey. With a sign around his neck, come talk to me. <laughs> talk to me about the superintendent. I think Giant actually put together a lane. There was the you know the, the self-service lane, the 15 items or less lane. The talk to John there, Fiddler to, lane? No, no, there was the talk to a school board member about the superintendent search lane. <laughs> okay. Um, that's good. Uh, Redners did not do that to their, you know, to their detriment. It was, it was too busy giant. trying to make money. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's just that poor lady screaming, raging, shaking yeah. her fist. I hope she keeps both hands on the wheel when she's driving. Yeah, it would be ideal. So then, so after Julia is doing her, uh, her, her thing about uh, who's leaving, who's resigning, who's retiring, etc., and. So what people don't know is that this week we had a principal who resigned, effective July 1st, Renee Mosser at Jacksonwald Elementary, okay? And here's how they treated it, okay? They just made the announcement that these people, uh, people in administrative, this, that, the other thing— they didn't point out any names. They didn't make a big deal about a wow. principal leaving. Wow. I want to know why when this board who cries to the heavens whenever somebody leaves. <laughs> when a bus driver <laughs> retires. Yes, yeah. a bus driver well, farts. Let's, let's make sure that we, you know, we, we have these, uh, you know. We have these, you know, food service people who are resigning yep. after X number of years. Let, let's stop the meeting and and identify them by name. Now, maybe it's just because Tim Morgan wasn't there that this didn't happen. But, but gloss over the top when one it. of your principals leaves. So, I'd just like to um, make a comment regarding our retirements. Uh, I did fail to mention that during the personnel committee. Um, but Miss Claire Chaka, she served a one year of service with Exeter as a certified behavioral analyst um also mrs susan hawes 32 years of service to our district and our cafeteria that is commendable and amazing um and also donna napoli um nine years of service to our um you know superintendent over the years so i think that's you know amazing that she's retiring and we're going to miss her very much so thank you everyone for your services and happy retirement so the highly uh, so one year's worth of service gets a direct mention. That's right. Three or four years as a principal. Now, I can't imagine it's easy to find. It's a principal that is good, okay? And by all indications I got, she was pretty good. It's, it's And they don't make a big deal out yeah. of it. I don't friggin' get well, it. Well, it's it's an interesting market for uh, for all educators, all educator uh, all administrators and, and, and educators. I, I I told you this, but this is the first time I, you know talk about it. Um, I I hosted a superintendents panel, and one of the things that came out during that superintendents panel is one district that was on the panel is paying their student teachers ten thousand dollars to student teach. And student teachers don't get paid. They don't, but they 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 are having trouble getting student mm -hmm. teachers, so they're giving them a stipend. And it's it's this market for educators and administrators is very tight, which again, you know, could be the reason why they chose the superintendent they chose because it's not going to be one that breaks the bank, you know, that she's willing to take a certain salary um, that that others might not be looking for. Um, but the loss of a principal and and to not say thank you for your service, uh, I mean, you thanked someone who spent a year as yeah. a behavioral specialist, right? Right. But you didn't thank someone who was an elementary principal who was probably deeply involved 
in your literacy implementation. That's it's it's a little maybe maybe it was a mistake. Maybe they just uh, forgot to mention it. Yeah, they forgot. That's mm. what happened. Well, so, Ted, just to piggyback on what you were saying before. Sure. You told me about your alma mater, Michigan State. What did you tell me about Michigan State? Well, it's not my own. It's, it's, it's a place where I worked a lot, but I didn't go to Michigan State. Oh, I State. thought you went to Michigan State. No, no, State. I went to Eastern Michigan and Oakland University. My bad. Um, uh, but well, yeah, we they, had the football discussion. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Michigan yeah, guy. Yeah, okay. yeah. But but yeah, we heard from superintendents that uh, Michigan State's uh, number of successful teaching candidates is very, very low. They said on single digits. So for one of the largest teacher prep institutions, not only in Michigan, but in the country. Yes. To be this low on successful teacher candidates. That's it's big news. And that's what they're saying. It's like. There have you know there, there was lots of conversation that they were having to one one district decided to get rid of any experience credits. So in other words, normally when you hire somebody um, who's got experience in another district, you, right. your contract might state that you can give them experience credits of up to fifty percent. This is the step thing, right? So so uh, someone has twelve years experience, you can hire them at step six in your district. Well, he's saying. We're doing away with all experience credits, which gives him the freedom to hire them at any step at all. Right. Because it's so competitive. So it's a very competitive industry at this point in time. Plus, not very many people are are going into it. Um, Which is making it more competitive. It is. And, um, you know, when you when you are over when when your budget is bloated, you're you're you're. And, and you're already overpaying for everything, and then you go into this kind of a market, Dude, it's not good. It. It's forget not good. it. So, yeah. folks, I know you are all out mm-hmm. there, and you and when whenever those tax bills come, oh, my God, the township taxes went up. Oh, my God, PA water rates are going up. Oh, my God, recycling is going up. We don't see you at the school board meetings, and your nope. school taxes are going up again for the, uh, you know, what, it's the seventh year in a row. What, 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 minus, one year. minus one year. 2018. 2018 was the only year that taxes didn't raise at school. Yep. Um, so we need to see you. You need to. You, you, there are twenty Exeter teachers there, obviously advocating for their contract as they as is their right to do. Right. Um, and and it is something that every union does. It's it's a tactic that they use whenever there are negotiations. But community. You got you got outrepresented. There were twenty Exeter teachers there, simply simply being there to to raise awareness that they're in contract negotiations. You weren't there, Exeter community, to express your concern about the budget. Do you know where else the Exeter community wasn't? Where in on the superintendent meetings? Well, they couldn't. But there were teachers, <laughs> and I'll tell you who else was there: the eleventh grade president the 11th grade president was there a 16 year old kid was in on these meetings but the taxpayers who fund their insane schemes were not represented at all they don't care about you taxpayers they do not care get it in your head they don't care about you they don't care what you think they don't care what you say they have a constituent group that they care about it's just not you 
It's not the senior citizens in the community. They don't care about the people who have no children who are benefiting absolutely zero from the school district. They don't care about the people who are homeschooling their kids because they don't believe that Exeter Township Public Schools provides the best educational option for their children. They have They don't care about any of those people. They have one constituent group that they really, really care about, and it's friends and family. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it, they have shown once and for all that they do not care about the taxpayer. This leaving us out shows once and for all the taxpayer doesn't matter at all. And and I will say it again. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. That's right. And so we now know that, that Jason and Andrea are the designated school board members to be out there saying, well, you know, we, we checked this. We, we checked with an attorney, and we've got this, this 1994 court case that uh, another district hid behind, uh, you know, the curtain, and their local media, unfortunately the Reading Eagle, which, which actually won a Sunshine Act case, yeah. Um, and but they're nowhere to be found on this. Nope. Um, but you know, again, it, it obviously was something that they they researched, so that calls into question what Doctor Hearing told you at school board meeting. That's right. The decision hadn't been made because obviously they researched this methodology. And to be honest, the co-conspirator is the BCIU. Yeah. Sure. They sure. helped them do this backdoor dealing to give a person that they might have been predetermined outcome. They might have been thinking this all along. Well, yeah. let's just let's just invite some people in and we'll do some phone interviews and then maybe we'll do three interviews. Dog and so. pony show. Yeah, yeah, Dog yeah. and pony yeah. show. All right. What's what's next? Okay, then? so so now uh again your wife is up there causing trouble. Yeah, she's a rabble rouser. She she poof. <laughs> So she gets up in public comments and she says a whole thing about how, you know, you're wasting money, block scheduling, you should change this, that, the other thing. And she mentions a couple of things and Bob Quinner can't just let this go. Yeah, I, well, I, I, let's set the stage a little bit more. <clears throat> Again, she was questioning the fact that they're not even asking questions. Right. Brian Fike said we could look at this guy. I mean, this is not, it wasn't. You know, Mary Beth, I mean, she was identifying this to them, but Brian Fike said, we could look at the schedule. Yep. We could look at class sizes. Yes, it did. But I don't think you, I, I don't think you want to do those things, but those are things we could look at. If you want to direct me to come back with a budget that calls for a 0% tax increase, you need to direct me to do so. Yep. But they aren't doing, they're just, no, oh, they're no, oh, no, heck. We want to add more. We want to, you know, we want to add 150 more kids to the summer program. We want to build expectations using ESSER funds, which is this soft money strategy that they're using is going to come back to bite them so hard because they're going to have to spend hard money, taxpayer money, when the soft money runs out. Now, she also mentioned, you know, we've got two schools within about a mile of each other. Do you think one of them could be closed? We've never done could a Could we close study. one of them? You know? And so this was the gist of her commentary. And Bob Quinter, of course, he just can't let it go. He's got to tell everybody how how it's, uh, 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 how whatever she's saying is, there, there's nothing efficacious to it. Oh, okay. okay. If you, well, let's we'll listen back. to him yeah, in his own words. Him and- We'll go, come back. I would be very interested in the uh, public providing 
recommendations as to what we're going to do with either the four or the 500 people if we close one of those uh, elementary schools. I would also like to know where the uh, basis of her questioning of the block scheduling is. It's been in place for almost 10 years now, and I understand works very well. So uh, if you have some data rather than opinions to provide, I would be very interested in I'll look into those things. So what he basically said to her is, you're full of crap, okay? And here's the the best part of this is, as he's doing, and you can hear where he's going to go with it. Yeah. I tapped her on the leg and I went, he has no idea who you are. He has no idea who your husband is. He has no idea. No, No, and and so here's, here's what I would respond to Bob with. Bob, you're the school board member. You're supposed to be uh, analyzing and questioning. You're not supposed to say, well, if if somebody from the public wants to give, look, Bob, it's a really damn simple Google search. Maybe you're not, you know, really good with Google, but, you know, and and we will, by the way, Bob, we will send you links. I mean, we're going to do that because you you challenged it and you don't know who I am. You don't know uh, the kinds of things. You don't know that the only reason that the Exeter's version of Pravda is now quoting Ed Week and College Board Regional Council members is because I've pushed them to that point. So, Bob, I will push you. I'll give you lots of studies, lots of examples of places where block scheduling is not financially uh, efficacious. And besides that... You say it's working quite well, but you are completely unaware of the fact that your graduation rate sucks and that your proficiency rate sucks. You couldn't even give Keystone exams last year because you didn't have enough students to give them to. But you, you gave them in one area, which is kind of suspicious that you would give one of those tests and not the others. So, Bob, you really need to do your research before you spout off. Um, about your opinion. And then the second thing I want to mention is what would we do with the four or 500 people? That's the point, Bob. You don't have four or 500 people exactly in those schools. Yeah. They're not at capacity. You have three buildings. None of them is at capacity. What we're asking the board to do, and we've been asking this since, I mean, we asked the minimum Winter. of three months. We, no, we asked Patrick Winter to do this because okay. he said he didn't know when we asked the question the first time. Do a capacity study. You don't have four or 500 people in a building. You have 300 and some kids and you have some teachers, but you also have a huge building in a widened creek. That is not a small elementary school. No. You built it with excess capacity. You put bells and whistles on that building that you're not even using. There's an amphitheater there, Bob, that isn't even used. Wake up, smell the coffee. Yeah, and that whole thing came up when I was on the school board too. And somebody said in public comment to me, because I was like, we could close one of these buildings. Right. You know, let's do that. And somebody got up in public comment and said, well, you, you think about closing a building and, and, and really like went off. Oh, it, and, it and, and I said back happen. to them, I said back to them, well, look, here's or, or you should do what they said was you should think about closing the older one, not the newer one. I said, I'm not thinking about closing the newer one. I'm, I'm talking about getting the newer one up to 99 percent. Right. That's what I'm talking about doing. Look, closing a building is a very difficult decision because there are always people who have these allegiances to, you know, their neighborhood school. Right. But the, the fact of the matter is the neighborhood that includes Watton Creek and Lorraine 
It's the same damn neighborhood. I mean, they're right. less than a mile apart. Exactly. So you have potentially, and, and all we're asking is, what is do a capacity study because you've got a huge five six building, you got a seven eight building, then you got a nine. Perhaps there's a different grade configuration that could utilize the capacity in a in a more efficient way and allow you to close a building. Right. And possibly sell one. You know, if you can close an elementary school building, move what's in Lausch into Lorraine, uh, and then sell Lausch. Why not? I mean, well, well, yeah. Then you got to do an administration. Or you can just continue to you can just continue to make the community pay more money each and every year, and you can continue to allow a bloated budget, a budget of eighty-two million dollars for less than thirty-nine hundred students. Number growing smaller each and every year because you have a, a smaller kindergarten class than your senior class. Yep. But hey, you know. Don't look at class size. Don't look at block scheduling. Don't look at building capacity. Just keep doing what you're doing. That will signal to the community that you don't care. You don't care about their taxes going up, Bob. It's it's clear. You don't don't care. care. They don't care about what the taxpayer thinks at all. And he doesn't want to do any work. That's clear. Like, oh, can you send me this, you know, so you don't want to do any work. Don't you do it? You're right. Yeah. Exactly. And what would we do with those four or five hundred people? That's the point, Bob. You would move them into the other two buildings. That's right. They would have a place. They're not going to just be outside in the cold, Bob. Yep. It's not going to be. You know, we're not going to be uh, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge here. You've got excess capacity. Find out what it is. Maybe the answer is that you can't do it. It but might you, be. But you don't know because you've well, never eliminated. You've never asked the question. So ask the question, do a capacity study, find out if it would be possible through a grade reconfiguration to close a building. Just find out. Think of the savings in terms of bus runs. Think of the savings in terms of operating a building that really you don't need. You have three small elementary, small in terms of size, elementary buildings, but in in, in terms of pupil size, but you have large capacity, especially at a Watton Creek. That's why you built that damn building so big. Yeah. You were anticipating an increase in student population. Instead, your 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 student population has decreased. You're under 3900. Yep. Okay, so that's enough with the school. And we've got we've got just one little thing with the township. Okay. Okay. So, once again, the wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oh. From the 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 almighty protectors of Exeter. Exeter Protector. There we go. This is what we're going to start calling them. Should we get them some T-shirts or something? You know, like dude. If you're in for it, I'll spring for half. You know, we could do the. We'll get T-shirts for all of them. I'm one of the seven intellectual dwarfs. Yes. Who is an Exeter Protector? Yes. (laughs) I'm in for half of the cost. (laughs) So uh, what happened this week, of course, is that hey Jeff Anderton, send us your T-shirt size. (laughs) His T-shirt size, oddly enough, is tanning bed. <laughs> so what happened this week at the township is that uh the township eliminated the position of director of public works. So they're doing some reorg to right size the staff. Correct. And so they have done that and and so the guy who inhabited that job, Clarence Ham, right, no longer inhabits that job. Right. 
And Larry Pearsall. Well, there, that job is no longer there. Exactly. They eliminated the job. And the, they eliminated a position, period. So so that now we have Larry Pearsall. That sounds like a significant Pearsall. savings to the budget. I would bet like, it's $130,000. Like, like that's what the, they're trying to do over there is they're trying to right-size the administrative staff so that they can find additional budgetary reductions that they can take so yep. that perhaps next year they won't have to raise taxes. Right. Wow, what a concept. I wonder if the school board would ever consider right... Oh, that's what we were just talking about. We yeah. were talking about right-sizing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they, they moved Larry Pearsall, good guy Larry Pearsall, Great Great into uh, the new job of manager of public works. Well, so let's let's juxtapose this, this thing because... Mm. Because really, so the reaction to Dr. Christy Haller being announced was was very, very positive. People people really like her. They really like her. Mm-hmm. And they said it on social media. People really like Larry Pearsall. Yeah. They really do. Yep. But you didn't see anything about, well, hey, this is good. This is great for Larry. You know, he's a fantastic guy. He does great work. His staff really likes him. So this will be great. You didn't hear that. It was all moaning and groaning by the the Exeter protectors. Oh, my gosh, a 34-year employee. Everything has to stay the same. You can't change anything in Exeter. Nothing can ever change. It has to remain exactly the same, Ted. You can't change anything. Unless it's something that we want to change. Unless we want to change it, Ted. Like if if we want to build a big, huge Taj Mahal uh, municipal complex, that would be a good thing. That's if, a change, Ted, but it's a good one. It's a good change. And, and and if we want to put in a median with trees uh, and sidewalks, all you know, if we want our phase two project, that's a change, but that's a good change. That's a good change, Ted, because it's it spends money in a in a smartly way. In, eh? in, a, in a way that will, you know, increase, I mean, people will want to come to Exeter. When yes. they see those medians and those sidewalks, they will be thinking, I got to move here. Ted, you can't see a tree just anywhere. No, no, no this is a new thing. Especially not a tree in the middle of a road. These are the kind of changes that are good for Exeter. Mm-hmm. These are yeah. the ones we want to see. We can't see other changes. You can't change anything. No. Nothing changes here. There, it's not the way we do it. There is a lot of whining and moaning. God, and you know what? It I, is such an asshole way to live your life. It but, really is. But here's the thing. It's like so they're drawing attention to all of that, which could potentially in, in a very positive way could move the community forward and and possibly potentially reduce the budget. Remember they they had to bring the budget back in after yeah. the slapdash yep. former board just threw a budget together cuz they had to and so the new board had to open up that budget and review everything, right? That's so right. They found some reductions, not enough to to remediate completely the need for a tax increase, so they had to have a tax increase, but if they're looking to continue that idea of right-sizing, let's right-size the administrative staff. Let's use our capacity. So I like what I'm hearing about. Let's look at all of our facilities. Look at the buildings, yeah. And rather than build something new, let's see if we can use our existing capacity in a new and different way. Yep. Kind of like what we were just saying about the school district. But you use can't change existing anything. existing capacity in a new and different way. Ted, you can't change it your way. You have to change it our right. way because we've lived here longer than you. Right. You're a big dummy. Right. You don't count. And you You're don't golf. nothing. You, and you never, don't golf. We've never seen you on the Reading Country Club uh, golf course. 
You uh, don't golf and you don't tan. You You're don't no good. Any, you don't have any clubs. You don't have any, you know, golf balls. You know, it's like, here's the thing, folks. We, Jerry and I are doing this. This is an opinion show. We're hoping to, to raise some awareness about things that are going on. But honestly, if all you're going to do is complain about your tax rates and not do anything about it, then it doesn't matter how many Exeter Underground shows there are. It doesn't matter how many times a, a small group of us speak at public comment. It doesn't matter when some of us volunteer to, to take on new roles. We need you. We need the Exeter community to wake up and say, you know what? This this is not, uh, I, I don't want to see an $84 million budget next year in Exeter schools. If and you will. If we're losing another 100 students. Yep. You will see and it. I don't want to see, you know, soft money being spent to bring about new programs, which are then going to raise expectations that we will always have those new programs. And when the soft money's gone, who's going to pay for it? Um, and you know what? It, it's it's if I could see the number of people who come to a township meeting and get up and speak and, and yell out things. The, the most interesting thing is the way. The way the board of supervisors allows people to speak out during yep. during the meeting, yep. that they would be kicked out of a school board meeting. They might be taken into the hallway and shot. Yeah, it's because oh, you can't you can't disturb our meeting. That's not the way we do it in Exeter. Yeah, because they they can't <laughs> handle any kind of disagreement. You know, the, the the nine of them are just well, well, like Mr. Quinter. Well, you know, I'd be very interested. in well, Bob, it's it's a real easy Google search. Again, if you want to do it yourself, if you want to get onto the interweb and and find out, you know what people think, uh, it, you you'll actually be able to see a balance. There are some people who really love block scheduling, but they will say you have to do. And you and I have talked about this, and I saw your eyes roll up in your head when I when I talked about this because it's inside baseball education. If you're going to implement block schedule and have 90-minute class periods, that has an impact on how you teach kids because they can't sit there for 90 minutes and listen to a lecture. Correct. So if your way of changing from period schedule to block schedule is, well, I'm going to take my two 55-minute lectures and put them into one 90-minute lecture, and the kids will just sit there and listen to me. That's not, you have to really change reality. your instructional model. You have to have short instructional bursts. You have to change modalities frequently. And you have to acknowledge the fact that you're losing instructional time. A period schedule, generally a six period day, 55 minute periods. You put it into block schedule and you teach half the year at 90 minutes. So half the number of instructional days. Remember, you were doing 55 minutes a day. Yep. So if you cut that in half, you should have 110-minute periods. But you're not. You've got 90-minute periods. You've lost instructional time. You're losing 100 minutes a week. And, and, and you, you also really diminish your possibility of students being successful in advanced placement. Because those tests are delivered in May. And if your AP class ends in December, who's, who's helping the kids from January until their test? And your 100, 100, 100 goal goes right in the crapper. Well, I predict. I'm going to go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb here. And I'm going to say that one of the first things that Dr. Christy Haller will do is re-examine the 100, 100, 100 goals. <laughs> and, and they will be changed. They will not be 100, 100, 100. New I'm set of out, goals. I'm going out on a limb. 
Okay. It won't All be right. the first, you know, it won't be in the first couple of months. It'll be after a period of investigation and collaboration and listening to our wonderful staff yep. and realizing that that those goals really from the previous superintendent, they really were unrealistic. And so we're gonna do smart goals now. Yeah. That's my prediction. I could Excellent. Be wrong. Could be wrong. Excellent. Okay, and with that, I think that's gonna be the show, Ted. Well, I think that's um, it. Everything's we, all checked off all, the. We got all the clips. Um, I thought you wanted to do one more, but I, we don't have to. Cause yeah, no, it, it it's yeah. It, it could be saved for next week. I mean, it doesn't even matter. Well, who knows? I mean, we don't know about next week, right? Yeah, uh, we'll see. So, um, we'll see about next week. But uh, yeah, so so I'm I'm hoping that uh, lots of folks are listening. I'm hoping that folks will download. Uh, it, see you on social media. Obviously, uh, wait a minute. We got my last word yet? Oh. Well, hold on. I, I, I apologize. I, I didn't. You know, it's been such a discombobulating day. I mean, I got up really early, got on the road, had to drive, had to, big traffic problems, big weather problems. It was not an easy drive this morning. Yeah. From Youngstown, yeah. Ohio to uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. Where you stopped over. Yeah. Well, it started yeah. out in St. Joe, Michigan. St. Joe to Youngstown was actually a decent drive, although it was much later in the day because we had a second half of our meeting um, and then uh, stopped over in Youngstown and then got up early, got on the road. And it was like, what the heck? So we got somebody trying to call in. Really? Oh, okay. Well, you want to take a call? I, I don't mind. Maybe they'll rage. Right. Okay. Let's hear it. Hey, now you were on the air with uh, Ted and Jerry on the Exeter underground. Who are we talking to? You're talking to the other Jerry. We're talking to Jerry Weinsteiger, aren't we? You got it. Jerry uh, Weinsteiger, you've been pretty active on social media. Good to, good to have you call in. Thanks. Yeah, you damn troublemaker. I'll cause a little bit more trouble tonight. All oh, right. what are you going to do now? Gonna, Talk to me. Oh, oh I'm going to take some people off here. Okay, hit it. The Hit it. I'll, but I'll do it in a polite way. <laughs> Okay. Board of Supervisors, Monday night. They're going to pick two replacements. Okay. I had a chance to go to one of the local social medias and check the backgrounds of the people that applied. Okay. And I'm going to give a for instance here. Now, the Board of Supervisors is the main place to go if you're going to do politics and governing in the township of Exeter. Yes. Here's my point. When you look at the qualifications of the people that submitted letters of interest and resumes, okay, there's one thing lacking from every one of them. Local township governmental experience there's a lot of nice guys and women that have applied but not one with actual experience so so jerry if jerry is i want to ask a question because i think that's a great point um so were there people that you know that were interested 
who had ex- either experience on the board of supervisors for Exeter, or you know, I would I would venture to say in local government in in any other township, um, whether it's a class two here in Pennsylvania or whether it's somewhere else, were there other people who you you think didn't apply because of um, some reason? Jerry, I mean. There's a lot of people, what I read from the article, the people that submit it have great ideas for the future. But wouldn't, if you, if you own an engineering company and you're applying and you want somebody to come in and design a bridge, which is a very important job, and someone applies for the job and says, well, I never designed a bridge, but I drove over a few of them. Does that mean they're qualified? No. That's a good point, Jerry. And, and, so you're, my you're, question and you're humbling is, me, that's for sure. And so anybody that they pick <clears throat> Monday night is going to tell me, and I'm going back to a meeting last year when Mr. Hughes said, when I am elected, every single, every, every single person on that board of supervisors must know the township supervisor code plan book that's issued by the state of Pennsylvania. Now, I'm going to ask Mr. Hughes if that is still in effect. Has anybody up there read it? Does anybody even know what it looks like? You need to know. If you're going to be on a board of supervisors and you're going to be the government for all the people, you need to know a little bit about how each phase of government locally works, how they interact with each other. If not, then they're just looking for two people who will agree with what they say and vote right them along. Even though they're nice guys, they're, they're yes men. And I want to see which people they pick. To be quite honest, they should say none of them have any experience. Uh, we need somebody with experience. Well, Jerry, here's my thing on that, okay? Uh, we need citizen legislators, okay? We need to take people out of D.C. who are the professional politicians and put, uh, you know, butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers in those jobs. Now, we need regular people to be serving in these roles. And if they can't recite the second-class township code to the letter like Dave Hughes can, so be it. But we need people who are uh, passionate. We need people who want to get in and do the work. And maybe some of that stuff is going to need to be looked aside. Well, I'm going to differ with you, Jerry, a little bit and agree with 
the other Jerry a little bit. And that is that I think... The, I'm the good Jerry. He's the bad Jerry. Let's be clear. There's no good or bad Jerry. There's just Jerry. <laughs> but what I'm going to say is I, I think there will be a learning curve for new supervisors. Uh, they may not come in having studied. I, I will give a shout out to Fred Whitehawk because he came to the meeting with the uh, Class 2 Township uh, handbook. And he had, he had yes, he he quoted, did. He quoted directly from it. So yes, I know he, did. he had spent some time on it. I have Fred's it. the man. And I spent a you know, I did a skim. I haven't read it closely, which is which is what I would do if if I was selected. I will begin my close reading of that document. I I have great confidence that Dave Vollmer has not only read that document, uh, but has probably committed it to memory. He has spent over six hundred hours uh, just in his role as township auditor so i'm i'm pretty certain he knows it backwards and forwards i don't know about any of the other candidates um but you raise a you raise a, a really good point in terms of you know what dave has stated i mean he's 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 spent a lot of time studying that document and it should be something that he is consistent about i'm not concerned with people having it put in the time that david put in when he was more of a gadfly and and, and not on the board um because i i think he was he, I think he came very quickly to the conclusion that the only way he was going to be able to affect change was to get on the board. Um, so he had invested a lot of time to that. Uh, but I, I, I do, I agree with you that people should know it. I'm, I'm not in agreement that they have to know it before they are selected, as long as they can complete a learning curve. And quite frankly, that handbook is just a handbook. I think what's going to be much more important is the the PSAT's professional development that township board of supervisors folks are going to need to engage in on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be going to the conference. It can they have a great they have a great menu of online courses um, that can be taken. And and so I think that I think it's the learning curve that's going to be important. So bad Jerry, does that answer your question okay? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm still going to stick to my guns. Fair um, enough. The, maybe you don't need to know the township supervisor handbook front and back, but it would be nice to know the person that's sitting there on the supervisors, uh, how it, how they interact with the planning commission. How do they act interact with the zoning hearing board? You need to know all that stuff if you're going to make. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm. I think they're looking for two yes men that will agree to vote with them. And as much as the old board of supervisors did the same thing and they brought their people in, I'll guarantee you Monday night going to be the same thing they're going to bring in who they think will vote with them and not free thinkers that may disagree with them because gosh forbid you should disagree with the board of supervisors well bad jerry your concerns are legitimate 100 legitimate and uh I, i'm glad you're going to be there holding people accountable because as as we've already said in the show we do not have people holding anybody accountable. So you get it in there and you do it. And we appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's a very valid point. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think people have this perception that 
there and and I think there were some very strong candidates that night because I, I was fortunate enough to be picked first, so I, I got my questions done and then I got to stay stay and watch um, other people and I was I was impressed with the diversity of of the of the candidate field. Um, so I, I I don't think though that all of these predictions about yes men are gonna hold true because if if they put People who have strong opinions on that board, uh, they may very well surprise, you know, the the folks in the community who think, oh, it's just going to be, it's just going to be five o votes, five o votes, five o. It's it's not. I, and I think, I think Michelle Kircher is showing, you know, a lot of backbone recently uh, as well. So, but you you know, the point's a really good one, Jerry. And I'm not going to call you what Jerry Gellif calls you, because I think you're just Jerry. You're the bad Jerry. No, let's no, no. let's no. let's put it where it is, Ted. No. Just say bad Jerry. <laughs> yeah. but, but here's the thing, Jerry. Here's my bad thing. Bad Jerry. Here's my thing. Can we hit we, you on the nose with no. a newspaper? We, we need to have <laughs> that same passion and interest at school board meetings. We need people holding those nine folks accountable because – they are uh, doing a lot. I mean, first of all, the, the budget's $82 million as opposed to $12 million. Uh, they have no fund balance <clears> as opposed <throat> to having a, a $43 million fund balance. And they're going to raise taxes five times what the, what the tax increase was from the township. But nobody's at the meetings, Jerry. And bad Jerry, they told us with this action this week that they don't care what we think at all. But going back to your previous statement, Ted, if bad Jerry shows up at the uh, school board meeting, he's going to be out in the hallway every single time. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be right there with you. <laughs> we'll get kicked out together. Bad Jerry and bad Teddy. <laughs> I have a low tolerance for idiots. I'm sorry. Well, then you're. you know what? You definitely need to be at the school board meetings then. You need to show up drunk, though, so your tolerance is a little better. <laughs> How's that? You just won't well, care. You'll, you'll just happens. be there slurring your words. Just be like, ah, everybody's my friend. Who cares? And, and to be quite honest, I had my name in for the border position, supervisor position. Unfortunately, I had a family issue that was set in stone, could not be changed. It was changed several times. I had to bow out gracefully and not attend it because I knew I wouldn't be back in town till like seven thirty, eight o'clock that night. And I wasn't going to waste anybody's time. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, try next time, Bad Jerry. You mean when Michelle leaves? No, there's going to be an election in two years. I mean, those those spots, you know, George's spot, and then the two that that get put on, those are going to run. They have to run in 2024. So I hear tell that there's a pack formed here in Exeter. So I hear there is a pack that's going to be funding candidates. It is going to be funding. It's going to be searching for candidates to, you know, <laughs> to really shake things up. That's the rumor, Bad Jerry. Well. 
unfortunately, with my temper, I may not make it till 2023. <laughs> oh, listen to the whining now. <laughs> Jerry, you're going to be around. You're going to be joining us. You're, you're going to be coming to school board meetings eventually. I mean, look, there's going to be, once that tax rate increase comes, and then this year's is going to be small because there's all this soft money still floating around. Wait until next year when that budget goes to $84 million and uh, they don't have any fund balance to draw on. And so it's just going to be, you know, 3%, 4%, who knows? Hey, Jerry, listen, we're going to we're gonna hit it because uh, we, we're at about an hour and a half now. And uh, at some point, we got to end the show. But, hey, thanks for calling in, Jerry. Appreciate it. We appreciate it, man. No problem. My pleasure. You have a good night. Behave yourself. No. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, so we got to get to the last word. The last word is transparency. We need transparency, Ted. I I am beating the hell out of this, but they do not care. The school board does not care. Nobody's holding them accountable. Jerry Jerry hit the nail on the head. Bad Jerry. Bad, well, Jerry Jerry W. Nobody's holding them accountable. Yeah. Nobody's going up to them in the grocery store and saying, you know, this this really wasn't very transparent. It really was a very, very dishonest process. Yeah. And you, you, those of you who were, according to Andrea Battler, those of you who were duly elected were elected to serve the entire community, That's not right. just this small constituent group, not just your own personal views. You were elected to serve the entire community. People who correct. have kids, people who don't have kids. <clears throat> so having a having a backdoor process, a backroom process, a smoke-filled room process, it's the lack of transparency is shocking. Yes, it is. And that is the last word. So we thank you very much for tuning in. We will be back next week in one form or another. We'll see what happens. But uh, look for the downloads. Oh, wait a minute. Let's mention, mention one more thing. We've got a bunch of great sports news. The Exeter oh girls gosh. softball team, county champions. That is un. What again? I've said this over and over again. Exeter sports has had a phenomenal year. And it's to have the a, golden era, a man. County championship, girls. You really did a tremendous job, and and I say that having listened to a couple of the games, and you know the pitching. The yep. uh, the especially the the pitching and the defense was stellar and and you grew as a team and you you got to that you know you got that uh, golden trophy so kudos congrats what a great year both of the teams also the boys the the baseball team both of them are at home Monday at four to begin their quest Playoff. for district three yeah. title wow and it's amazing and the the boys volleyball team. Also in contention for the District Three title. I that's mean, just, Ted, and we got. I think was was the number I read. Seventeen members of the track team going to states. This is, is such a great year, and you know, especially to have this kind of year coming out of pandemic athletics. Yeah. So they obviously kept at their craft, kept at their games. Yep. You know, kept their skills up. And you know it's it's really paying off. They are just doing phenomenal. It's it's amazing yep. to watch. Yeah, we had a great year on uh, Jerry Gelliff Media, the Exeter Sports Network, and the, the the Berks Catholic, the Saints Sports Network as well. Both were really good. 
Um, we're going to be back in the fall to do more. We're going to be doing football, and we're going to look for other things that we, we could do during can we, that season. Can we just do a shout-out? I know you've done the last word. In it, Go ahead. But you know what? Tom Legath, he's re- I mean. Give the, him a shout-out. you got to give him a shout-out because the, the coaching staffs he's arranged – uh, you, you know the way that they are supporting athletes. Yep. Um, he's he's done a very. I mean, I'm sure he's had highlight years and other years, but this this is definitely a highlight year for uh, for Tom Legath and his staff yep. and all the coaches yep. and all the student athletes. Um, all of them. It, it again coming out of the pandemic, you lost a couple of years of competition of of true competition and conditioning, and to come out of it like you have as a as a school truly truly amazing our buddy mike boyer the great announcer when i asked him mike are we in the golden era of exeter sports and mike's an exeter boy he rubbed his chin he looked up and he said "I've, i've been paying attention to exeter sports for 40 years yes we are this is the best it's ever been kudos yeah so they're all doing a great job and then with that we can say Please join us for the next Exeter Underground hyper-local news and analysis for Exeter Township. Look for the download of all, all 12 episodes, actually. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at JG Media US. Look for clips on social media. There um, will be the, you know. the video clips I put on, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and please do... Uh, have your friends download, listen to us, uh, disagree with us, agree with us. Uh, when we have uh, call-in availability, call in. Um, we, we're, we're trying to bring opinion to Exeter and, and light some fires. So join us. Yes, do so. And with that, we say thank you and good night. Thank you for joining us for the Exeter Underground. Join us again next week for more news and analysis of all that is happening in Exeter. This has been a production of Jerry Gelliff Media.